how you doing, my friend? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Reggie? Man, I am excited, Joe. We got a very big win against the Missouri Tigers. As you know, that's a very personable game for me, being from the St. Louis area, growing up in the background of University of Missouri. It was good to see the Cats. I'm going to call the Cats winning the game 40-6. to six. We know what the official score was, 40-12. to 12, But for all intents and purposes, Joe, it was a 40-6 to six Cats win. I agree with you there. And then you collect on some bets. And I collected on some bets. Boy, I got a lot of steak dinners. I got a lot of things going. I won't have to pay for I won't have to pay for dinner for a while, Joe. Oh, that's good. So definitely good. Well, Joe, let's get into it. We'll recap the Missouri game before we go ahead and get into the upcoming two-lane game. First and foremost, it was a weather field game for sure, with the rain, the thunder, uh, rain delay, um, start had to be delayed, lightning. But both teams had to play through it, Joe. And I think overall, Kansas State did a better job of mentally preparing for the elements and not letting it throw off their routine or be a distraction. Yeah, they did do a better job. And Honestly, just ran the ball better, which is what they had to do after it started raining heavy. And Missouri was not able to do that. And that was the difference in the game. K-State could run it. Missouri had trouble running it. And their quarterbacks were really bad in the rain, (laughs) passing the ball or interceptions between their two quarterbacks. And they just could never get anything going offensively, which was good for us. So, you know. Worked out well for us that, that their quarterbacks struggled in the rain. I mean, Adrian Martinez, he only had 100 yards passing or so, so he didn't really air it out much. He really couldn't. But luckily, he had that running game going for him, and uh, we didn't really need him passing the ball downfield much. Yeah, I know when we talked, Joe, that you were a little bit surprised of the outcome of the game uh, of, of Kansas State Manhattan and the University of Missouri. Uh, I didn't think it would be. As this completely lopsided as what it was, I thought it would be a couple touchdown win for the Cats, as we spoke last week. But it it goes to show you, I think a lot of variables that we talked about last week and the crowd noise and then the weather played a factor that we didn't really anticipate. But I do think the youngness of Missouri's team, particularly in their skill position uh, with their wide receiver group, and um, some new additions at running back and bringing in a new quarterback, particularly from offensive side of the ball, dealing with the K-State crowd, dealing with the environment. I still think that had a little bit of effect on the University of Missouri uh, as well. Even though they came out, you know, kind of took, took us off, caught us off guard a little bit with the quarterback run game got a few first downs, got into field goal ranges, got up on his 3 nothing. really didn't get into the red zone. Other than that, that was a most sustained drive of the game. I think the crowd and just the whole travel had a part to play with the University of Missouri not being able to stay with the Cats. Definitely that. And I was re-watching the game, and... I found it interesting that the color commentator on TV on Missouri's first drive 
said a couple times, well, they need to get Luther Burden involved in this game. <laughs> and they never really did, which kind right. of surprised me. He had one catch and he had one run in the whole game. They targeted him a few times in the passing game, threw the ball to him a couple times, but not really a lot. And that did surprise me. In fact, my son, like halfway through the game, said, where's Luther Burden? You know, he was asking, what number is he? You know, he hasn't been out there. The PA announcer hasn't called his name. So I found that interesting. I think he did get open sometimes. I just don't think they got the ball to him or were able to get the ball to him. And he wasn't really a big part of the offense. What are your thoughts on that? No, you're exactly right, Joe. They had an opportunity. They missed him on a couple of deep balls. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like he was targeted as much as he did in the Louisiana Tech game. We never saw him in the Wildcat. We never saw him get a jet sweep. We did see him drop a crossing pattern that he did drop, and he was targeted a couple of other times. I, I, I think that what people – seem to forget, Joe, that this, even though he's probably the best athlete on University of Missouri's offense, he is a true freshman. Yeah. And, and as great as he is as a player, and he's going to be an all-SEC type player, barring his health, he stays healthy, all those things are going to come into play. But I think at the wide receiver position, this is only a second game, and it takes a little bit. And I think Drake doesn't want to put the young man, Eli Jenkins, doesn't want to put him in a position where he feel like he's forcing the ball to him. I think he liked to get it to him in the natural progression of his offense's play calls. Yeah, that's sure what it seemed like. Yeah, but it was but for the cat's sake, you know, it was good. But we did have a couple that they missed. If it was a dry situation and the quarterback would have made a better throw it could have been a it could have been a deep at least one touchdown could have went to the house on a big play well yeah that one time surrey was on their own two yard line and we sit in that south end zone kind of in the middle about 20 rows up good drops back and you could see the receiver wide open (laughs) like around the 30 yard line and it would have gone for a touchdown if he would have hit him in stride. It would have gone for a 98-yard touchdown. You know, it was just a bad pass, and the elements, I'm sure, had something to do with it. I mean, it's, you know, you can see the play develop. You can see the receiver get wide open, and then Cook just couldn't get him the ball. And that's one that we intercepted. And definitely Missouri did have some receivers open. They just weren't able to get him the ball. And I was quite impressed, too, Joe. We have to give kudos, and I'm going to talk about both coordinators first, but I want to talk about on the defensive side uh, with Clatterman and what he's been able to do with K-State's defense because still these guys play lights out. University of Missouri only had 54 net yards of rushing on 35 attempts. That is outstanding. Mm-hmm. They had 128 yards passing and only 222 yards of total offense out of 66 plays. That is an hellacious effort by the unit, by Kansas State's defense. And I am quite impressed again with the new additions that we thought was going to be a concern for us on the defense. 
in the safety position with Savage and then Josh Hayes making his impact on the game as well. Not only in the passing game, but in the run support game, you can see he's very active. He's extremely aggressive. And I think these two young men play with a lot of spirit and emotion and gives us a great boost on that defense when they're flying around making plays. Yeah, they're playing really well. The defense as a whole is playing really well. Missouri, like you said, they really couldn't get anything going on the ground at all or in the passing game. You mentioned on that first drive, they ranked, they did run some quarterback runs and got the ball downfield enough to kick a field goal, but overall, they were struggling all day, and that's large part because of our defense. They played really well. I had really had no complaints with the defense at all, all, all game long. Thought they did a great job, put pressure on, stuffed the running game really well. So, yeah, I, I'm really happy with... Uh, what I'm seeing so far. We'll see if that can continue. I don't see any reason why it can't, but I didn't expect the defense to quite be playing this well, but they're playing really well. No, I I think so, Joe. I I didn't either, and I think this group is, I don't know if Kahneman is, is limiting the playbook where these guys are playing faster and looser, or they just have a better concept and conception of the game and the plays and I think it's only going to improve as the weeks go on Joe because you can see on the back end particularly the safeties they're playing and even the corners particularly in the run support game they're flying around the ball now I am a little bit concerned a little bit on some of our one-on-one coverage like I said Luther Burton did get behind uh, I think it was Brent's in one of our other corners on maybe a couple of equations. We do need to be a little bit more cognizant of that because we're going to see those type of receivers in a couple of weeks when we go up against Oklahoma and we start getting into Big 12 play. So we do need to make sure we're we're engaged on that. But overall, like you said, from a defensive standpoint, I think we are playing at a very high level early in the season. I do want to ask you, Joe, Going back, let's look at the offensive standpoint. Once again, Deuce Vaughn has another great game, 145 yards on the ground. But once again, we get it. We did. Martinez made a couple great passes, but he was not asked to throw that much. But he did make a couple passes to Brooks that I thought were good passes, particularly the one on the kind of run on the RPO pop pass that he did to Brooks early in the game was a very nice play, but we still doesn't seem like we've got settled into a cohesive passing game. And maybe that's what the defense is doing, not allowing that, or we're having so much success on our running game, or it's a combination of both. Give me your perspective on just Martinez and developing as a passer. Yeah, I think it's a combination of things. Our Receivers weren't really getting open. Uh, he didn't have a you know a lot of options uh, passing the ball. And he threw the ball away a couple times because there wasn't any anybody open. So they have to scheme in order to get the receivers the ball, and they've had to do that in both games. Really, you know, he Martinez only had 100 yards passing. Climbing blamed that on the elements on the rain. 
which you can't question too much because Missouri's quarterbacks looked awful because of the rain uh, primarily. So, yeah, it's it's hard to uh, analyze Martinez so far. I think he's doing okay. <laughs> I um, I want to see more. I don't really have many complaints, but he's going to have to pass the ball for you know, 200 yards a game in the Big 12 going forward, I think. And he's going to have to pass the ball downfield if if they're going to win some games that we hope they're going to win. So I don't know. He looks pretty good. He he tucks the ball and runs when he has to, like for a first down or whatever, if he doesn't have any receivers open. He's not forcing the ball in. He's throwing the ball away when he needs to. So I don't know how you feel about it. That's kind of where I'm at with Adrian Martinez. I like what he's doing so far, um, but the jury's out as far as I'm concerned yet. Well, I think that's an excellent assessment of it, Joe. Uh, I, I'm pretty much in the same camp with you because his, and, and I may be even a little bit more in favor of Adrian Martinez because I've seen him throw the ball when he was at the University of Nebraska, I've seen him throw for 300 plus yards in a game um, in back-to-back games against pretty good competition. So I know he has the ability to do it. I think this week we'll probably see a different type of game uh, where there may be the opportunities to open it up a little bit more uh, for Adrian Martinez. But some of the key things that you just mentioned, Number one, he still hasn't thrown an interception. And I think that's important for two reasons. That's important for Adrian's psyche. And number two, just for the team as itself. Um, Now, does that mean he's being a little bit more cautious and not taking more chances? Because some interceptions can be good interceptions. Um, Things can happen. They don't always have to be the quarterback's per se fault. But I do think that he is getting rid of the ball when it's bad situations. Or if it looks like it's not there, he's running. I don't think he's running too fast and not giving the opportunity to see if, uh, you know, the receivers are open. I think when the play breaks down, he makes a conscious decision to run and, and get it done. I do think some of it is, we need to get more separation, too, from our receivers uh, to get open maybe quicker, uh, maybe shorten up the routes, um, maybe scheme it a little bit different so we can get some passes. You know, his longest pass against the University of Missouri was a, was 28 yards. So that was almost one-fourth of his yards on the day right there on one particular pass. So... He did throw a nice ball on the sideline to Deuce Vaughn. There's a play that was negated on a penalty. That showed me some touch uh, when he threw that on the sideline to Vaughn. Joe, that was a nice ball. That was not, it was negated because they said that uh, Cade Warner had did a pick play. Um, But that was a very good scheme play and a very good ball that he threw. So overall, I'm okay with Adrian Martinez. We're 2-0. He hasn't turned the ball over. He looked like he's getting command and, and understand our offense. He's not getting 
of delay a game calls or a bunch of different false start penalties and things of that nature where it looks like he's discombobulated out there. So those are the positives that I like to take away from it. Now, before I let you jump back in here, I do think Colin Klein is calling a strategic and great plan for Adrian Martinez to not put him in auspicious situations and things of that nature. Now, the game hasn't been close in the third or fourth quarter for us to see what it's going to look like once we get into those situations or even if we're behind, how he's going to be able to attack it and do things. But I think Colin has strategically continued to work the playbook to give Adrian more and more confidence and comfortability to as we get ready to go into big playoff play that I think he'll be ready to go. I think you're going to see a lot more this week. Okay, Yeah, I agree with you on that. And you can tell that he's a uh, seasoned college quarterback just by, by his presence in the pocket. And we've already mentioned, you know, he – go through his progressions he knows when to tuck the ball and run he doesn't doesn't ever seem nervous like a lot of young quarterbacks would get nervous and try to force the ball in Uh, he doesn't do those things which is encouraging to me i agree with you i i like what i see so far how about deuce fawn you meant kind of mentioned him earlier another impressive performance he's now rushed for 100 yards in eight straight games and the record at K-State is 10 straight games by Darren Sproles. So oh. two more 100-yard games by Deuce Vaughn, and he'll tie the school record for consecutive 100-yard games, and that's just amazing. I think he'll probably get it next week, and then we'll go into the Oklahoma game, and he'll have a chance to tie that record. Well, I'm impressed with Deuce Vaughn. The guy is um, playing amazing. Even when you think you got him some somewhat corralled, you just know you got to keep feeding him, Joe, because you know he's going to pop one. You can just feel it. It, it. it just happens. You know, he rushed 24 times for 145 yards. He averaged 6.0 per carry, two touchdowns, and a long one for 29 yards. Uh, phenomenal game against, a you know, an opponent that – was supposedly was going to play the run very well. And this is when everybody in the stadium, Joe, knows that we're going to run Deuce fine. But that's this is where I'm giving my credit to um, the Riley, the offensive line coach, and um, Colin Klein for schematically scheming to get Deuce Vaughn different type of runs with different, with uh, various degrees of schemes to get them open. I think we really discount the play calling or how they're able to do that from a blocking scheme standpoint to where it's different looks that is coming at a defense to get him sprung and to get him open. That's a great point because Missouri knew he was going to get the ball and they knew he was going to run it there were plays where they stacked the line and they knew he was going to get the handoff and he still runs for eight yards or whatever, you know? Yeah. It's, it's amazing what they're doing. Yeah. So it's a great Testament to the, what they're doing 
particularly in the run game on the play call. And, and I do think the threat of Adrian Martinez being able to run it is continually is going to help Deuce as well. The same way Deuce is going to help Adrian in the run game. But I think that's a uh, that's a combination that people talked about that was going to be effective. And I think we're starting to see that, especially when you do that RPO action. You know, when you know if you're going to go to deuce, not go to deuce, is he going to pull it? Is he going to throw it? That can be a dangerous weapon uh, coming at the um, the defense, but from the offensive staff and the cats, that's just doing very well. Yeah, I know the option has to be in the playbook, but we haven't seen it yet. And I thought we'd at least see it a little bit. We haven't yet. Maybe they're saving that. So I don't know. We may see the option eventually, but. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's in the playbook. I think we'll probably see it more closer to the red zone. Uh, in the red zone offense, we just haven't pulled it out yet, but I definitely think it's something that's uh, that's going to be utilized and that's going to be effective, especially in the red zone or short yardage situation. Yeah. I do want to ask you, before we get on to Tulane, before we kind of put the bow on this game, what are uh, – what are some of your – we did get a punt return from Phillip Brooks, and I knew that was coming. That's a that's a Yeah, you called that one. Yeah, I knew we would get a touchdown in the special teams game. And once we got that, the momentum broke. If we score with a non-offensive touchdown, I don't know what the percentages is. We'd have to go look at the stats, Joe, of our percentage of winning the game but it has to be extremely high uh, when we're able to do something without running an offensive play. And I knew Brooks would play with a chip on his shoulder because he's from that Lee Summit area, uh, from Kansas City, Missouri, offered a scholarship back in the day, then took it away. It was all kind of different stories. So it was a real heartfelt personal game for him. Uh, And you can see it. And him, A, bringing that punt return back and B, you know, being the, basically the leading receiver on the day for Kansas State. So that was a good tool to see. One other thing that I think we discount to, our punter uh, is punting at a high level, um, yes, Joe. That's a very good point. Uh, he is putting the ball in some spots that is unbelievable. Ty Zetner. This young man is is punting at an all Big 12 level right now. He had four punts on the game for 217 yards, an average of 54.2. He had a long of 66, and he had two of them placed within the 200-yard line. One he put right on the two, three-yard line of Missouri. And I'm telling you, this young man, that is going to be a weapon for us as we get deeper into the season when these games get very, very close and you're fighting for a field position type situation. He is punting at an extremely high level. Now, on the flip side of that, with our field goal kicking and an extra point game, what is going on there? We're not we're not on all cylinders with that. No, we're not, and I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> Obviously, it's not concerning yet because, well, it's a little concerning, but 
it hasn't cost us a game or anything like that. Maybe he'll play out of that, or maybe they'll play out of that. I'm not sure. But back to the punt team, I found it interesting that Chris Kleiman, in his post-game comments, said that they studied MU's punt formation, and they knew exactly how to block it so that they got a return touchdown. And he even told the team before the game, he said, this is what they're doing on their punts. And if we block it right, and everyone blocks how they're supposed to, we're going to return one for a touchdown. And that's exactly what happened. And that's a sign of good coaching. You know, he outcoached Drinkwitz on that bottom line, you know. No, I, I thought I, that I, was I, very interesting that he told the team and he went public with it. He, I mean, it's no secret. He's like, yep, if we block how we're supposed to on this, based on their formation on what they do, we're going to return one for a touchdown, I guarantee it. And that's exactly what happened. No, and that's a testament to him and, and them looking at them and, and schematically putting together uh, a blocking scheme and structure on the punt team to make sure they can get it out. And all the things have to come together, and they gel together. You know, Brooks has to make one man miss, which he did. Then he was able to get around the corner and, and pick up some blocks, and then the rest was history. Yep, it was beautiful to see. No, it definitely, it definitely was. It was definitely beautiful to see. So, Joe, what do we know about the Green Way? Well, they're playing the AAC. They didn't have a good year last year. They were uh, two and ten on the season. But if you remember, the first game of last season, they went to Norman and played Oklahoma, and they only lost by five points. And I actually went and looked this up to think, you know, I was thinking, was the game really that close the whole way? And they did actually score a couple touchdowns in the fourth quarter to make it seem closer, but it was within a couple touchdown game, the entire game. So I think they have their quarterback returning, their coaches returning. So I think they have some pieces that they could make this game close. Mm -hmm. Their, Their quarterback is Michael Pratt. You know, he had over 300 yards passing and three touchdowns last week. And they're 2-0 and on the season. They beat UMass in week one, 42-10. And they beat Alcorn State last week, 52 to nothing. I think K-State's a 16-and-a-half-point favorite, maybe. Or yeah, maybe that's what it opened bit. at. Yeah, it's about 14-and-a-half now. Oh, okay. So that's actually closer than I thought the spread would be. So I think this may be a close game into the third quarter, maybe. And K-State maybe pulls away at the end and gets the victory. I mean, From what I can tell from the stats, they like to run the ball. In both games, they've ran it probably between 12 and 15 times more than they've passed it. So they'd like to get the run game going. And we've been pretty strong against the run so far this year. So I like our chances with that. Well, just like you, I did a little insight. And and you're right. They do have a very... Uh, experienced quarterback that Tulane is bringing to the table. Uh, And, you know, when you have a guy that's been starting for a few years, you know, he in his junior season, uh, Michael Pratt, uh, you know, he is on the Maxwell Award watch list. 
you know, so he looked like he can probably uh, toss the ball around. But I think the competition that they've been playing is probably an indication of why they've been running the ball a little bit more because they play Massachusetts and Alcorn State. Alcorn State is, you know, a predominantly HBCU school. Um, and it's and then UMass program has been, you know, struggling for some years. But he did throw for 318, like you said, and three touchdowns uh, over Alcorn State. But just like K-State against, you know, South Dakota, a little bit more, too, to Missouri, it's hard to really get a real good indication of what Tulane is going to bring to the table. I think the line probably between 14 and 16 probably makes the most sense for Vegas because you are going to step up in competition for K-State. You will still have the home field advantage, but you can very well see a game that, you know, can be two to three touchdowns. Uh, We don't never get favored by three and four touchdown lines that often anyway, unless it's really, really against an FCS folk. So, but I think the game won't, I think it'll be a little closer kind of going into the half, maybe K stayed up by a couple, maybe a couple possessions, but I think we'll pull away late and I'm still going to say 42 to 17 K state with the victory. And I'll say 35 to 13. Okay. So, yeah. So we're, we're in the same neighborhood. I, I just think that these guys, they're going to have a little alternate uniform. Um, sometimes that kind of scares me. I'm a little bit superstitious when you do something different. But I think these young boys, that's another way for climbing to get these guys ramped up for a non-conference foe like Tulane that they supposed to be. You know, it's easy to go to sleep. You know, Marshall yeah. went into Notre Dame and beat them. Uh, you know, Appalachian State went into Texas A&M and beat them. So I think this alternative uniform is another way to kind of get these boys fired up. Uh, it's going to be Fort Riley Day. You know, all of that, um, you know, kind of pageantry with Fort Riley, with the base being so close. I think K-State will take care of business do what they need to do. And I just think we'll have too much talent and um, we're going to run this, run this, run the ball down their throat. And I think they're going to try to stop, stock the box. And then we're going to pop them with a couple big plays. Look for Knowles to have a couple. And I said this last week, but I'm still pulling for him to make a couple big time, big plays in the passing game. And I'm talking 40, 50 plus yards. Um, this Saturday. Yeah, it's a good time to do the alternate uniform. That's a good point you made about getting the kids excited about something where they otherwise may not be excited for the game. I'm not a real fan of the design. <laughs> a lot of people on Twitter love it. On social media, you know, Facebook, yeah, Twitter, they, they, they love I it. I haven't seen it yet, Joe. I know we were in the white helmets. But what oh, is, it's, what the, is, it's the old school Willie on the helmet. I saw that, but what about the rest of the uniform? I think white pants, purple, same, I think same purple color jersey, but white pants. 
Oh, okay. And a white helmet with that old school Willie on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. I gotcha. I'm not a big fan of the old school Willie. I'm a, you know, cause I'm a snotter disciple first recruiting class. So I like the new power cat, but yeah, I, I like understand. The cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I understand. Well, Joe, we're both right where we need to be. We're uh, two games in. We got another 10 to go, but we're 2-0. We're going to end this non-conference slate against Tulane, and uh, hopefully we'll get this thing done 3-0, and and it'll set us up for a big first Big 12 game and road test that'll be down at Oklahoma. On national TV on Fox. I'll be on national TV in prime time. That's right. That'll be nice. So that'll be very exciting. Well, Joe, once again, it's been a pleasure, my brother. Yes, sir. Wildcats are rolling. Dominant win over Missouri. We got the green wave invading Manhattan this week. Uh, We should take care of business. But as we've seen in college football, some of the crazy things that happen. So the cats need to be dominant. They need to keep playing with the energy and passion they've been playing with. And I think we'll get it done. I agree with you. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do it. All right, Joe. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. Thanks, Reggie. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.